Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Father, we thank you for, for Pastor Neil. We thank you for him. We thank you that you have called him, you have anointed him, and you put your word into his heart for today, for this moment, for the time as such, Lord. Lord, we open up our hearts to receive as from you, not as from Neil. Lord, speak through him mightily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we've done a number of uh, series, like 10 or 12 in a row, where we, you know, Dennis and I alternate preaching through some series on, on a topic or a book of the Bible. And uh, we kind of wanted an opportunity just to do some standalone messages where, you know, we just pray and, and, and just, you know, share things that have been on our hearts for a while. And so um, Dennis last week preached about God and money. And if you have not heard that sermon, it's, I mean, a number of people have talked to Dennis and to me and said that's the best, most balanced sermon I've ever heard on, on God and finances. Um, and he actually talks about the correct way to look at prosperity. God does want to prosper us, but it's not from some selfish kind of, uh, you know, God, you know, get, you know bless me and, and, and just give me everything I want kind of thing. It, it's, it's, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. And, and uh, God wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us. But we need, to, we need to approach finances in a way that God can bless us. And it is so good. So please listen to that. It was the best sermon I've ever heard on, on Christian finances. So, um, you know, please go, and, 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 and go, go online and listen to that message. Two weeks ago, I started. So, so the series is called Unleashed. So Dennis and I are kind of unleashed to preach what we want and, uh, for, for a number of weeks. And so when, when I spoke two weeks ago, I talked about uh, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to, to return to that verse at the, at the very end of 2 Corinthians. Uh, it's the very last verse of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 14, or 13, 14. And it, unfortunately, I only have one scripture on the screen. That's my fault. I, uh, this week has been crazy. I've been preparing for three different things and fail to get the, uh, the scriptures for uh, this morning's message to the, the media team on time. And so, you know, Wes is somewhere in, in the Grand Canyon right now. And he's the one that usually takes care of this for me. So, you know, I, I can't, uh, he can't even hear me. You know, he's just so far away. So, anyway, but I want to, I, wanna, I know this scripture by heart. It's, it's, it's the benediction to the Corinthians uh, very last verse, like I said, and, and Paul says this to his beloved, immature baby Christians, uh, Corinthians. <laughs> he says this, uh, the grace of the Lord be- Jesus Christ and the love of God, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we've talked a ton about, Dennis and I, about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father. I mean, that, we have talked about that over and over again. And, and so, um, you know, I thought it was time to talk about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And, and I love it. it says, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So you're included in that. 
The fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the word for fellowship is, is the word koinonia. And usually we, we, um, we think of koinonia as like fellowshipping with each other. We preached an entire series on that in August, on fellowship. The word koinonia. And, and, it, and it basically has <clears throat> kind of two meanings. It means friendship, and it also means partnership. And so... Um, last time I spoke, I really focused in on the, the, the friendship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. The Holy Spirit is the one who never leaves you. I said that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And, um, and so I, I, I want to focus today on this, this concept of partnership. And so... I think I mentioned last time I spoke that Peter James, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were, they were two sets of brothers, and they were really, really close friends. But they were also partners in a fishing business. And you remember the story where Jesus, um, you know, these guys had fished all night, and they're at, at the point that Jesus encounters them, they're cleaning their nets. And a crowd has gathered around Jesus, very close by, and he's teaching, and the crowd is getting, he's teaching on the shore of the, of the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd just keeps pushing further and further in, and, and so he needs some space, and he needs to be able to, to see people and talk to people, and he can't see past the front row because, you know, they're standing this close to him, and so he turns to Peter and says, hey, can, can I borrow your boat? Would you, would you, would you let me sit down in your boat and push out from the shore a little bit. And so he finishes his sermon, and he turns to Peter, and he says, push out into the deep and let down your, your nets for a catch. And Peter's like, dude, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. Why are you telling me how to do my job? You know, no. But, I mean, he wasn't excited about this. He honestly wasn't. But he says, yeah, because you're, you know, you're the teacher. And, yeah, I'll do, I'll do it. You know, we fished all night. We hadn't caught anything. I know what I'm doing, but okay. So he pushes out, lets down the net, and, and what do you know? All of a sudden, he and Andrew are trying to pull this haul in, and, and there's so many fish that he, they can't get it. You know, the, 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 the nets are, are, are stretching. You know, the, the, he's like, so, so Peter yells over to James and John and says, Guys, I need you. we need your help over here. Man, we've got this big catch. And so, you know, they come over, and the four of them drag the, the net on the shore. And so... They, they worked together. They were partners in, in dragging that big catch in. And then Jesus says, Let, you know, just leave your nets. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Okay. I'm going to make you fishers of men. They had no idea what he was talking about. It's so funny how clueless the disciples were for, for so long. But that's partnership. And the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us to do the same things through you and me that he did through Jesus. I know that that is really hard to believe. It is so hard to believe that an entire wing of the church has, has, has come up with some, some really um, sad theology to explain away why miracles don't happen anymore and why the Holy Spirit isn't working through us the way he worked through Jesus. Now, there's evidence in the early church that God did work that way through. I mean, the Holy Spirit did work that way through people. There's all kinds of miracles after Jesus leaves the scene. But 
you know, that theologians tell us now that that doesn't happen anymore. Well, I beg to differ. And I want to explain why. We can still partner with the Holy Spirit, and he wants to partner with us just like, just like he did with Jesus. In fact, Jesus lived the way he wants us to live. He put away his glory, he left his God mode behind, and he functioned in the power of the Spirit. He only did what the Father was doing, only said what the Father was saying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus shows up on the shores of of the Jordan River? He is baptized by his cousin, who doesn't want to do that. He says, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus said, let's do it this way for now. You'll understand later. And so John baptizes his cousin Jesus And um, suddenly, when he comes out of the water, what happens? Remember what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and and rests on him. It looks like a dove fluttering down, and and Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit drives him into the wilderness where he stays for 40 days and 40 nights. He's tempted by, by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he leaves there, and I want to pick up, this is the scripture I do have in Luke chapter 4. So if we could, Kim, if we go, or David, if we go ahead and do that. There we go. So I'll I'll read it in my version and whatever version that is, you guys can translate in your brain. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. I'll, I'll just read it here. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. So he comes out, he goes into the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit and he and he's preaching and he's doing powerful miracles throughout the whole countryside of Galilee. And he was teaching in their synagogues and everyone was praising him. Let's go to the next one. He went to Nazareth. This is his hometown where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He always went to church. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he unrolled it. And he found the place where it is written. And this is, uh, go ahead to the next slide. This is straight out of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. This is Isaiah 61. It's the clearest and most profound uh, messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. And this is describing Jesus' earthly ministry when he shows up. When Messiah finally shows up, this is what it's going to look like. I want you to notice the very first thing it says here. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's not going to do anything apart from this in his earthly ministry. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Go ahead and next. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Drop the mic. I love it, man. You know what they tried to, you know what they did? They tried to throw him off a cliff. They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff because he said that right there. And he just walked right through their midst and left. Because he, he knew his time had not yet come. He was Jesus. He was God. But amazing. So he goes about healing the sick Casting out demons, raising the dead, opening the eyes of the blind. He does all this, and within, within three chapters in Matthew, he's already giving this away to his disciples. He tells the 12, now look, 
Don't take any money with you. Don't take any extra shoes. Don't take any food. Just go and preach the good news. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, and, 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 and stay wherever you go in the house of peace. And then a few days later, they come back, and, and they're all excited. And then just a, a two chapters later, he sends out 70 to do the same thing. And they come back, and you know what they're saying? Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He says, that's cool. And he says this. He says, you know, it's the Father's pleasure to give the kingdom to little children such as you. Little children. You know what children are? You know what children, the thing about children is they're so trusting. They have so much faith. You tell them they can do something and they do it. And, 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 and he says, you know, God wants to give the kingdom to little children. The problem is we, when we, we adults get so smart that we start explaining stuff away. We, we start saying, oh, you know, I, I don't have any power. It must be because the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to use the Russian's phrase here, that's a bullcrap. Okay. So, so, sorry, I can't say that myself, but I can quote the Russian. I love you, Dennis. So Jesus reaches the end of his earthly ministry. He's going back to the Father. And he has this conversation at the Last Supper. And in the Gospel of John, I shared a couple weeks ago, you know, every other gospel focuses on like the, Lord, the institution of the Lord's Supper. For some reason, John doesn't do that. He focuses on the gift of the Holy Spirit. He focuses on the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And, uh, and he says, and they say, well, you know, show us the Father. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they're like, we don't understand. And he says this. He says, look, I, I, am, I and the Father are one. And he says, don't believe it just because I say so. Believe it because of the miracles that you've seen me do. You know, yeah, God parted the Red Sea. God sent the plagues. What have I done? Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. You know, I've done these things. And you've seen it, and you've actually experienced it. And he says, so don't believe me because of what I say. Believe me because of what you've seen me do. And then in the very next breath, he says this. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Now, you know what they heard right there? Wah, 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 I'm leaving you. You know, that's what we hear too because somehow we don't think that this whoever applies to us. Guys, the whoever there is just like the anyone who believes in me in John 3:16 will not perish but have eternal life. That's all as an all-inclusive term and Jesus didn't say whoever believes in me until the last apostle dies you will do they will do even greater works or do the you know things that I've been doing in even greater works than these. He doesn't say that. He doesn't give that qualification because it's not there. And he says this 
I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete, advocate, helper, comforter to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Now, get this. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He lives with you and will be in you. How is he with them? In Jesus. They were walking along with Jesus, and the Spirit was in Jesus. And he was doing these great things. And Jesus, in his authority, gave them a piece of the Spirit and said, now go do some stuff. And they come back. You know, that when Jesus gives authority, you have authority. But he did it in the power of the Spirit. And so they had the power of the Spirit in, in his authority that he gave them. The Spirit was with them, but there, he said, now the Spirit's going to come and live in you. And I love this. He says, I, I, yeah, I'm going away. I'm going back to the Father, but I will not leave you as orphans. Because that's what they were concerned about. I told you last time, they were like a bunch of little ducks following the mother duck. And now the mother duck is going to leave, and they, they, they're terrified. They're panicked. They don't know what to think. He says, but I will come to you. Before long, the world will, will see me, will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. On that day, on that day, the day of Pentecost, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, they didn't understand a word he was saying. They, they were confused they were sad, they were grieved, they were frustrated. They had no idea what was about to happen. All they heard was, I'm leaving. And then he left. He went to the cross. And what did they do? They ran for the hills. And where did he find them the day of his resurrection? Hiding in someone's house with the doors locked. John 21, 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, which was the resurrection, so Jesus was raised in the morning. Here we are in the evening. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now listen to this. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We talk about the Great Commission. This is a great commission. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Why would we have any less power, authority, any less um, uh, ability to do the things that Jesus did? Because from the get-go, he took his messianic anointing of the Spirit, power to heal, power to deliver, and passed it right on to his disciples, and then right on to the 70, and then right on to you know, the, the 120 in the upper room. But as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was the first order of business for, the, for, for Jesus after his resurrection. i got to get my spirit in these guys because I have big plans for them. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You are the body of Christ. Okay, you're the body of Christ. I'm the body of Christ along with you. This is super important stuff, guys. The church needs to be the church. 
We need to be the body, the hands and feet of Jesus. He's the head, we're the body. We're, we're the presence of Jesus on earth. We have the same spirit that he had. And then, and then he says, look, you know, I, I, I know that Pentecost is when the spirit came in power. You know, on, on the, the, you know, Acts chapter two, they're praying in the upper room, these 120, and the spirit of God comes and, and there's a rushing wind, a mighty wind, and there's these, the resting of the tongues of fire. And they go out, and, and they begin to, you know, Peter preaches, 3,000 people come to Christ, and they're performing miracles and stuff like that. But I believe on that scripture I just read in, in John 21, that they actually received the Spirit. That, that was like when, when God breathed the Spirit of life into Adam. That was Jesus breathing the Spirit of life into his disciples. But then... The, the Spirit was activated to, to work through them when he came in fullness on the day of Pentecost. I mean, something was activated, and they went out in boldness, in power. These, we, these were changed people, and they began to do the works that Jesus did. In 19... 72, my mom, my Presbyterian mom, went to, uh, to hear a, a charismatic speaker with some women from the church. And in that meeting, she got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, my mom had been a Christian for a long time. She had the Holy Spirit. But that day, she got activated. She went forward for She said... She did not mean to go forward. The man had people stand up, and he invited people to come forward to be filled with the Spirit. And she said, I just meant to stand up, and I'm three steps towards the altar before I realize what's happening. The Holy Spirit just pushed her out of that seat, man. And she got filled with the Spirit. And she came home a changed person. Now, I was 15 years old. Do you know how 15-year-olds feel about their moms? I was a typical 15-year-old. She was embarrassing to me. But a, a couple of things happened that really impressed me about my mom. First of all, she started teaching my senior high Sunday school class, and I refused to go. I didn't go. I didn't go to Sunday school for several weeks until the cheerleader I had a crush on invited me. <laughs> and she said this, your mom's amazing. Neil, you've got to come experience this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Take me, yeah. As long as I get to sit by you, I'll come and listen to my mom talk. I expected Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, wah, 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 you know. And uh, I was shocked at what I experienced. I was like, who are you and what did you do with my mother, you know? I mean, there was, something was on her, and when she taught, my heart was stirred. And I began to fall in love with Jesus anew. And I began to long for something that I didn't even know how to put words to. My mom was filled with the Spirit. Fast forward a, a few months in middle of winter, and I, I got strep throat really bad. It's on a Sunday night. I'm, I'm kind of not wanting to go 
school the next day, but um, my throat was just killing me. And so I, I remember walking into the kitchen, and she's washing dishes, and I said, Mom, my throat's killing me, man. It feels like every time I swallow it, there's a knife going down my throat. And she just dried her hands on the towel and turned around and put her hands on my neck and started praying in tongues. Now, you know, tongues is an unintelligible language that sometimes we get when we receive the Holy Spirit. And it freaked me out real bad. And when she's praying, I just wanted to slap her and run. But then I swallowed, and it didn't hurt. And I swallowed again, and it didn't hurt. And I went to school the next day without a sore throat. Then uh, a few years later, a couple years later, I was, uh, I was running indoor track. And uh, in the inside curve, I got knocked off the track, an elevated track, and landed stiff-legged on the concrete, and it just wrenched my back. And I immediately, you know, like it, it just froze. And for two months, I struggled. I, I sat in hot tubs, I, you know, whirlpools. I, I, I took muscle relaxants and all this stuff. And it was about, it was my senior year in high school. And it was going to ruin my, uh, my, my last tra- year of track. And uh, I, I went to her in tears. I said, Mom, I said, my back is still hurting. I can't, I can't practice. I can't run. You know, we're, we're about to start, you know, outdoor track, and, and uh, I, I can't even practice because my back, every time I, I run, my back tightens up on me. She says, come here. And she lays her hands on my back and starts praying. And uh, I went, I left the bedroom where, where she was and, and went and got in my car. And I noticed when I got down in my car that my back didn't hurt to sit down in, down in my car. It was always like, you know. And I sat down, and I, went, I drove to school, and that, that afternoon I practiced track, and my back didn't tighten up. And it never bothered me again. And so I, I experienced my mom, you know, the teaching and the, the power of the Spirit on her to teach and then to heal. But somehow that didn't translate to me. I don't, I don't know why. But then I started hearing, you know, I, I came to this church, and, and uh, how many of you were back in the day when we were over in the old wing there early on? Do you remember some of the miracles that happened back in those days? Like, I, I remember getting there, and, and, you know, my first year or two at the church, and, and uh, I would have my sermon prepared, and someone would stand up and give a word of prophecy, and it was like the summary of my sermon. That happened, like, several times. I'm just like, how did, 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 you, did you get my notes, you know? But, but it would happen. And, and, uh, and, you know, we saw occasionally someone would get healed from something. Uh, but, but then I started hearing about John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement and, uh, and, and started hearing about how the Vineyard really believed in healing, and I would hear stories. And then I started hearing John Wimber stories talking about healing. And... Uh, I mean, I just want to tell you, he did not believe in healing until he started teaching at uh, Fuller Seminary at the church growth, uh, school of, of church growth. And, and so um, he did not believe that God healed today. And then he would, he would have these missionaries and international students come to his classes on church growth 
And they would tell him of miracles on the mission field or in their countries. And he said, at first, I didn't believe him. He's like, no, God doesn't do that, you know. And then he started realizing, these are my best students. And they're not people that were, I would think, would be prone to lie. But he still had a hard time believing this because he'd been taught the wrong stuff. And so he, he decided to go see for himself. And I stayed in a home of, of someone. Uh, I won't explain the whole story and why I was there, but it was in Pensacola, Florida. And I was in the home of a man who was with John Wimber right after he got back to the States. He was in some kind of a meeting with Wimber. And he said, I didn't even know who this guy was. I just know it was a heavyset guy with blonde hair with a, with a floral shirt and Bermuda shorts and flip-flops that was so excited about what he had experienced on the mission field, you know, on, you know, in this foreign country. He had seen people delivered from demonic spirits. He had seen miraculous healings happening right before his eyes. And he came back and started teaching this in his church, and his church eventually started seeing incredible healings. And then the Vineyard Movement kind of started and he would go into conferences, and he was the, you know, he was the guy. People would come forward, they get healed. And he would come home telling these stories to his wife, Carol. And Carol said, John, what you're doing is not good. And he's like, what are you talking about? I pray for people, they get healed. What do you mean that's not good? She said, yeah, you're the big healing guy. And so everybody wants to flock to you and get healed. And she said, that's not right. You need to teach them how to do it. The body of Christ is supposed to heal. The body of Christ is supposed to cast out demons. The body of Christ is supposed to do these incredible things. And, and you're just, you know, the big spiritual, you know, healing guy. And he was cut to the heart. He said, you're right. And so he started, he started training people how to do this. And he started calling people, just ordinary people, to, to do healing. And I love what Wimber taught us. Wimber taught us this. When Jesus prayed and when the, the disciples prayed, they didn't pray these big flowery prayers. Here, here's a typical prayer for healing. And that usually doesn't work, by the way. Oh, Lord, please heal John. He's such a good man. He's so good to his family. He works so hard. He does so much for the church. Would you please just come and would you somehow, maybe if you want to and you're in a good mood and you're okay with this, and he's worthy enough, and we're praying, and if he has enough faith, and if I have enough faith, would you please, please, God, heal John? Well, John, he didn't heal you. I guess you didn't have enough faith. Maybe there's sin in your life. I don't know what to do for you. See you later. I mean, I've prayed those prayers, guys. I know. You know how Jesus prayed? Be healed. You know how he delivered spirits? Get out. See. Hear. <laughs> Be cleansed. You know how Peter prayed for healing? I don't have any money. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Prayer of command. Boom. You know, uh, Gene Kelly's here. He was sheriff for Clark County for 29 years. And uh, if he had had a deputy that says, uh, Sheriff Kelly... Uh, I'm here at the bank, and uh, I have this guy cornered, and uh, uh, I, I need you to come down and arrest him. You know what Gene would have said? Dude, you have a badge. You have a gun. You were deputized to do the job. 
if you don't bring that guy in in handcuffs, I'm going to fire you. That's what he would have said, right, Gene? Yeah. He said, yeah. We didn't even talk. I didn't plant him. He was here already. So, Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus has given us authority. He's given us his spirit. And the spirit wants to partner with us to do mighty things, great things. And so I started believing this stuff at some point. And then the School of Kingdom, Kingdom Ministry came along and taught us, Putty Putman and, and the School of Kingdom Ministry taught us how to pray for people to see healing happen. Taught us how to get words of knowledge, prophetic words for people, how to cast out demons. And uh, those of us who were in the school started doing that stuff. And guess what? It works. It really works. And so... I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this. The body of Christ, it has been said, is the greatest army in the world that has never been activated. Because we've been sold a bill of goods. We've been, we've been lied to. We've been told that when the Bible was completed, the Holy Spirit stopped doing miracles based on some, some really terrible interpretation of the scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that says when the perfect comes, these things will cease. Guys, do you know what the perfect is? When it says when we see now in a glass dimly, then face to face. When we see Jesus face to face, are we going to need faith anymore? Are we going to need hope anymore? Are we going to need prophecy? Are we going to need tongues, healing are we going to eat any of that? The only thing that's going to be left of all those gifts and, and, and fruit and all that stuff is love. We won't need the rest of that stuff because when we see Jesus face to face, we do not need any of that. But until that time comes, we need all of that. We need faith. We need hope. We need, we need love. We need healing. We need prophecy. We need these things. But we've been sold a bill of goods that that doesn't happen anymore because we have the Bible. Now that you have the Bible, now that you have this book, somehow you don't need the power of the Spirit anymore. That's a bull crap too. In my Russian translation. It's just not true. You know, I, um, I had an experience. We, we, we got into the vineyard it felt like uh, we had joined a party too late. By the time we got in the vineyard, John Wimber had been dead for five years. And there was a great, um, a great uh, cloud that just seemed like had covered over the vineyard. And what, what once was fresh and powerful and, and awesome seemed to be very, very... Um, I just, just, just felt like, like um, water had been doused on a fire. And, and I came in and it was like, we're here. And, 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 you know, it was like coming into a room where a party had been and there's confetti on the floor and balloons are kind of half floating. You know, the, the airs or the helium's kind of gone out and people are sitting around the table kind of leaning and there's an old guy sweeping the floor. And I'm like, 
where's the party? And, and uh, for a long time, I, I, I just didn't find what I had heard about the vineyard until I started going to these, uh, it was called Doing the Stuff, and then it was called uh, More Love, More Power conferences at Central Illinois Vineyard. And the first time I was there, a guy named Randy Clark was there, and, and you know, Randy uh, started out with Wimber. He was Wimber's right-hand, Wimber's right-hand man. And uh, first night I was there, he said, if you have back pain and you have back problems, stand up. And probably 200, or there was, I mean, there were 1,500 people there. About 200 people stood to their feet. He said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just command healing throughout the room in these backs. He said, now, check out your back and just, just you know, it, raise your hand if you're 80% healed. And about five hands went up. He said, that's good. All right, that's good. He said, okay, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just command healing of backs right now. I just, just God is healing backs right now. Check it out again if you've, if you're, by the time he did this like four times, I, don't, I think there were maybe two people that didn't raise their hand for healing. The woman in front of me stood up. She was a mom. First time she tried to, she bent about this far, and that was as far as she could go. The fourth time she, he prayed, she went all the way to the floor, and she came up, and she was bawling. And she came forth for a testimony, and she said, I, I have metal in my back. I can't bend over. It's impossible. And yet I just touched my toes. And I said, I'm home. I found the vineyard. It's back. I'll tell another story. Um, I was, uh, every, every year, uh, except for this last year, um, my family ha- has gone, I mean, for years. We're talking probably 12, 15 years. We've gone down to uh, the old man's cave area, uh, a place called Lake Hope. And um, uh, just, you know, hanging out with uh, Deb's family, uh, her brother and sister, sister-in-law and, and daughter and my kids and Deb and me and grandma, uh, Deb's mom. And it's a wonderful time. And uh, I remember this one day, we needed mayonnaise, I think, and a couple other things. We'd forgotten the mayo, you know. Got to have mayo, right? And so uh, I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll drive to the store and get some mayo. I, I drove for like 30 miles trying to find a store near Lake Hope. I mean, it's just, I don't even know where. I think I ended up in Indiana or something anyway. But um, I, found, I found this grocery store, and I'm, I pull into my car, and, you know, I park and I, and I see this woman in a wheelchair roll past my car towards the store. And, and I was by myself. And in that moment, now this is probably 15 years ago. Uh, and this was before I started going to these More Love, More Power conferences. I, I just remember thinking, if I was worth my salt as a, as a Christian, I would get out of the car. I would walk over to that lady and I would say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk just like Peter did. But I have zero faith for that. Zero faith for that. I felt ashamed. I felt, I felt, I just felt so impotent, so powerless, so frustrated. I I can't tell you the emotions that went through me because I knew I couldn't do a thing about that. And I believed in, in healing. I'd heard the stories. I'd, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I read about Smith Wigglesworth going to, this woman went to, Smith Wigglesworth was, he's a plumber in England, a plumber. 
and he could barely talk. Like, you know, he, 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 was, he was afraid to get up and say anything. And when he did talk, he, he was broken English, and, you know, he wasn't that great in terms of speaking. But God's power came on him at a certain point, and he raised like 19 people from the dead. There's a story about this one, one dude that had died, and he just kept throwing him up against the wall until he stood up. He, he had a really unique way of ministering. But, he, but this dude was like amazing. Like he was amazing. So this woman went to a meeting where he was speaking, and uh, she said, would you come pray for my son? He said, sure. She said, well, he's in a wheelchair. He said, that's okay. So he goes to this, this, this lady's house, and this dude is like, he's been his entire life in a wheelchair, and he has these little tiny legs, like broom handle-sized legs, and this big, huge trunk. He's like, he's like in his like, late teens, early 20s, and a bunch of people are with him. And so they walk in, and this looks like the impossible situation, okay? And, and so he says, everyone that doesn't believe that this boy is going to get healed, get out. Cleared the room. It was just him and his mom left, Smith Wigglesworth and his mom. And he, he looked at this boy and he says, son, you want to be healed? Yes. He said, get up and walk. And he pulled him out of the, he pulled him out of the, the wheelchair and the kid ran out the front door and across the street and started running up and down the field screaming. Ah! Kind of like Dennis when Becky was healed, you know, when he was running back and forth screaming here. Um, that, I mean, you know, so I was, I was aware of that story when that lady passed me by and um, I was so frustrated. I wanted to be like Smith Wigglesworth. So hungry, so hungry. And then School of Kingdom Ministry told me we have a, that, that most American Christians have a Western worldview. Do you know what that is? It's a materialistic, naturalistic worldview that says nothing outside of what we can taste, see, smell, feel, you know, exists. There is no supernatural. There is nothing outside of us. There is no fourth dimension where Spirits and, and God dwell. And, uh, and we bought the lie. We've bought this lie of a naturalistic, materialistic worldview as American Christians, for the, for the most part. And so, Putty Putman, the, 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 the primary teacher of School of Kingdom Ministry, he's the one that put the, you know, the book together and everything. He says, what we need is a biblical worldview. So we've got to go back and we've got to see things the way Jesus saw them. And we've got to do things the way Jesus did them. And he says that scripture in John 14, 12 is for you and me. Anyone who believes in me will do the things that I've been doing and even greater things than these. I have a friend, Brian Blount. He spoke here in December. He wrote a book called Putting Jesus on Display in Love, with Love and Power. And Dennis and I preached through a, that series. And we invited you know, some other people in, John Lee from Columbus and who's our area overseer, um, the pastor at the, at the time of, of the church in Urbana, uh, Kyle Peters, and then we, we invited Brian in to preach. Uh, and, and so it was last winter. And so I, you know, I have prayed for lots of people since, since uh, in the last 10 years that have gotten healed. 
and, and I take no credit for that. The, the Spirit of God wants to partner with us. The same Spirit that was on Jesus is on me. He's in me. And so, you know, I had this argument. There's this pastor. I prayed for her back, and she was healed instantly. She, she had rinsed her back. I prayed for her, and um, I, we were meeting at Scouts. I left, and she had rinsed her back the day before. She, she said it took me like five minutes to sit down in this chair and she said, would you please pray for me? So as I was leaving, I just put my hand on her back. I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all pain be gone, muscles relaxed, vertebra straighten out, and sciatic nerve be released. I gave her a side hug. I walked out the door. Fifteen minutes later, she's in my office. She's like, look, Neil, Ma. she's bending over and all this stuff. And she's like, you have, the, you have the gift of healing. I said, no, I have the Holy Spirit. No, you have the gift of healing. No, I have the Holy Spirit. We just need the Holy Spirit, guys. We don't need the gift of healing. I'm telling you, the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in you. Whatever you need at the time. Now, you may have a gift. You may have a gift of, like Dennis and I have a gift of teaching. That's a gift. I mean, we do carry that. But the Holy Spirit will give you what you need when you need it. And so he gave me the gift of healing in that moment. I mean, he, he healed her through me. Prayer of command. I didn't ask him to do it. He, I, I just spoke to that thing, and, and it happened. Now, we're preaching through this, putting Jesus on display with love and power, and um, it's like mid-December, and my girls, uh, Lindsay was home at the time, and Deb and Lindsay wanted some uh, homemade chicken noodle soup, and they wanted me to make it because they didn't want to get off the couch. So, no. So, anyway, I, so I, I'm like, they were just wanting me to do some mixed stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this from scratch. So, I'll go to Kroger, grab the, you know, fresh egg noodles, and I get some carrots and some celery and some fresh chicken, you know, and I got it all and, and, and uh, some spices. You know, I bought some special spices. And, and I'm on my way. I mean, I'm, a, I'm not a shopper. I'm a hunter. So, I go in. I know where stuff is. I get it. I'm, I go through the quick, you know, like self-checkout so I don't have to, you know, wait in line take off. I'm, I'm on my way back to the van, and, uh, and I know I've told the story before, so most of you haven't heard it, um, but, but I, told this, I told this story last, last uh, winter, after, right after it happened, and it activated someone else, so I'm telling this again. So I'm on my way to the car, and there's a lady in her 70s with a cane, and she's kind of, you know, doing this, and there's a young black man with her, and just, you know, just this big, tall guy, and He's apparently, she was coming from a, a nursing home, and he was with her to help her, you know, take care of her shopping needs or whatever. And so, um, <coughs> excuse me, I've, <coughs> so anyway, um, I just noticed, you know, this wonderful couple walking past me, and uh, she smiled and said hi, and he was friendly, and so they went in on in the store. And um, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go back and pray for her. And I obediently said, no, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I got to go make dinner. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to go pray for her. And I said, I don't have time. The girls are hungry. Um, I'm going to have to cut this stuff up and the chicken, the celery, the, you know, the, I, I've got to take care of my you know, family here. I don't have time to go pray for this woman. And the Holy Spirit said, you're preaching through a series right now called Putting Jesus on Display with Love and Power. 
when are you actually going to do this? And I said, you know, I really don't like you right now. But I said, okay. So, you know, threw my stuff in the car. I wasn't happy. I mean, I was, I was very reluctant. I go back in the store, and um, I've, somehow I knew they were, they were in the produce section. I have never been in Kroger before or since that there weren't at least 15 people in that you know, produce section. They were the only ones there. So I walk over, and I say, um, uh, ma'am, could, could I talk to you for a moment? And... Uh, uh, she said, sure, you know, what, what's going on? I said, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. And she said, oh, wonderful, I believe in prayer. And she told what church she was from. And so uh, the gentleman said, well, look, give me the list and I'll just keep shopping. So he took the list and he went, he went on shopping. And I, uh, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. I said, so I was going to just say, what, you know, I noticed that you're limping, what's wrong? And I heard come out of my mouth, is it your back or your legs that are giving you the problem I don't know why I said that she said well it's actually both she said my my pelvic bone is is twisted so I have a lot of back pain but it's caused my right leg to be shorter than my left leg I said oh okay I said I I looked around and I saw there was no one in the Starbucks area and there were some chairs there I said would you be willing to go sit in one of those chairs she said sure so I said okay sit down and put your behind as far back in the chair as possible. And I said, just lift your legs and put them in my, my, my palms. And so I put her heels together, and her right leg, sure enough, was like a half inch shorter than her left leg. And I said, okay, I'm just going to pray, and we'll just see what God does here. So I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command this right leg to lengthen to the same length as the left leg. And over a period of about 30 seconds, slowly, almost imperceptibly, Without pulling or doing anything, her right leg lengthened out to the same. Her, I put her heels together. They were the exact same length. And I, I, I said, um, before I looked up, I said, did you feel that? And I look up, and tears are streaming down her face. She said, all the pain in my back just left. I said, well, would you get up and try to do something that you haven't done before? Now, her cane is leaning against the table. She gets up, walks over without her cane about like five feet and goes like this. And she comes up and she starts bawling. And she said, I haven't been able to do this in 10 years. And she's doing these deep knee bends. The gentleman comes, you know, like he sees something happen in the commotion. He comes over and she jumps up and she says, uh, Ahim, or he, was, he was Muslim. Jesus just healed me. Look. And, and he's like, uh-huh. You know, he's just shocked. <clears throat> and he just gives her a hug. And I said, you guys have a wonderful Christmas. And I just turned around and walked away. I'm so. Guys, I hope you're applauding for the Holy Spirit because I didn't want to do that. I just walked through <clears throat> what I thought I was supposed to do. I want to ask Derek Young to come up. What happened after that? I'm very sorry about my cough here. <coughs> mm-hmm. I heard. I heard this morning. Nobody ever heard Jesus say "Whoops," right? 
So following on the heels of, of uh, Neil's story there, I, many of you know I work in a jail, and uh, I was leaving. I was a little late. I was on my way out to my truck. Uh, I get out to the parking lot, and there's a car right there. Uh, I've got two quick stories that I've invited to share. Um, there's a car right here, and a woman, well-dressed, says, excuse me, I'm here to pick up so-and-so, and I don't know where to go or what I'm doing. Could you help me? Well, I wanted to say, well, you go in that door, go over to the side, go by the door that you see a panel, push a button, and they'll, it'll help you. And I could have been on my way. The Lord said, help her. So I'm like, oh, okay. And, uh, okay, I'll be obedient. So I'm, I'm only a guy, okay? I'm, there's nothing special about me. I got to say that. I'll probably say it again. So I said, follow me, I'll help you out, let's go inside, I'll show you exactly what to do, we're walking in, and I think she's right here, and I get up to the door, and she's way back there, walking kind of like hobbled, I'm thinking, oh man, and I'm remembering Brian Blount, stood right up here and said, when you see that, that's an opportunity to say, I can't help but notice that you're limping. And so she finally makes it in, and this thing with Brian Blount is going, and then, you know, in the sermon series, um, Neil frequently referred to the chicken line, which I always thought was really weird until now I experienced it, which is a line, and am I going to be brave and go over it, or am I going to be a chicken and not? So she gets in there, and um, man, the Lord is just hitting me hard. And she's, I noticed she's wearing a, a cross. And I thought, oh, man, she's wearing a cross, really? So I said, I couldn't help but notice that you were limping. Um, we're doing some stuff in church and learning how to pray for people and stuff. And I'm just wondering, um, would you like me to pray for you? And she said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I said, would you like me to put my hand on you? She said, you can put your hand anywhere if it'll help this pain. I'm like, um, uh, well, speaking of pain, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, where's your pain? She says, it's 11. I'm like, oh, man, really? Okay. Now, at the same time that I'm having these questions and this reluctance, the Lord is reminding me, it's not you, Derek, it's me. It's not you, it's me. You're doing what I want you to do, and like Neil the Lord said, you know, when I'm arguing with them, if not now, when? So I put my hand on her. I command the pain to go away in Jesus' name in both of her legs. She identified pain in both her legs. She had rated it at an 11. I backed up and I said, so what's your pain? She walks. She comes back. She says, um, it's about a six. I'm thinking, Okay. Well, if Jesus can take it from 11 to 6, I bet he can get it down lower than that. So I prayed again. I command the pain to be gone. And she walked back and forth again. She, I asked her about her pain. She said, it's, it's a 2. And I'm like, hey, 2, yeah. Well, if Jesus can bring it down for 2, then we can go for 0. I'm thinking pretty, you know, I'm feeling pretty big of myself right now. Of course, the Lord's going to deal with me on that. And um, we prayed again. Went down to 0. She's walking, and she's smiling, and she's saying, the pain's gone, but the clicking is still there. 
I'm like clicking, what, what's that about? And she said, I was in an uh, abusive relationship, and my boyfriend hit me in both my knees with baseball bat. And uh, she said, it's, I hear the clicking, I can feel the clicking, but the pain is gone. That's amazing. How did you do that? I said, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. And, you know, I'd like to take credit for it, but all I did was ask you if you needed prayer or would like me to pray for you. So now I'm feeling really, really good about, you know, hey, this stuff really is working through me. This is really great. Brian Blount was telling the truth, and, and our pastors were really leading us in a, you know, this is the real thing, real deal. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking the Lord has really, really established the truth in my life that I was only believing as long as I could believe it, but I wasn't willing to do it. So I'm in my office a couple of days later, and I'm supposed to do an assessment with a guy. He's an inmate. And um, I called for him to come down, waited, called again. It took him like 20 minutes to get down to my office. And when he walks in, he's, he's kind of going like this. And, you know, sometimes, you know, inmates, sometimes they just kind of do things for show. But this guy, you know, for some reason, you know, it's like, no, I think I need to ask something about that, um, but I need to get through this assessment first. And so I'm, uh, I'm working with him, and, and uh, he's just, he can't sit down, he can't stand up. I'm trying to get this assessment started. He's like, man, my back, it took me, it took me 20 minutes to get out of my rack, man. Leave me alone, come on, I can't. You know, and I'm thinking, I got to get this assessment done. And he's, he's complaining about his neck, and, or, or I mean his back and his leg and his sciatic whatever, and just, you know, just moaning and groaning and complaining. And I'm like, okay, we're going to take care of this. And I'm thinking, can I pray for that pain? Uh, I, think, I think the Lord can do something for you. And he said, sure, go ahead. And I think he rated it an eight. I prayed once. It went down to a six. And, and he's like, wow. Hmm. And I said, well, if it, if it was a six, let's see if we can take it down a little lower. Maybe the Lord will bless you even a little bit more there. And I prayed again, and it went down to, eventually we got down to zero. And he goes, that's amazing. What'd you do? I said, I didn't do anything. Jesus did it, and you gave me permission to pray in Jesus' name. And I'm like, okay, let's get with the assessment. And he goes, man, I don't want no, I got to go up and tell the guys, man. They were, they, they told me just get out of there moaning and groaning. I got to go tell them what happened. And I'm like, okay, all right, go ahead. So I, I just want everyone to know activation is available to everybody. And I never expected that. I've got other stories that I could share, but these from, uh, that I share with Neil, uh, wanted somebody other than, you know, than, than a pastor to do it. I just want you to know yeah. it works. Amen. Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. He will do what he says he'll do. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you, Derek. That's awesome. Um, we, we're way over time, and I'm sorry, but, but uh, I, want, um, I want Zane to stand up. Yeah, come on up here. Come on up here. So uh, we had men's retreat this weekend, and... Uh, Zane's, we, we were going to go into prayer, and come here, and uh, so Zane, um, he said that he, he was having trouble hearing out of his left ear, and, uh, and so um, John, would you raise your hand, John Rogers, um, John, I just asked John if he would pray for, for Zane, and so he, he put his hand on his ear, and, and he prayed the prayer of command, and uh, what happened, Zane, let me give you the, let me just ask you to say what happened. 
So I felt a um, when he after he played uh, when he was playing, I felt a click in my ear, mm -hmm. and after he whispered three words in my ear, usually I can't understand. When he whispered them, I understood all three words. What did he say? I forget. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh yeah, can you hear me? He said, "Can you hear me?" And he did. And you were and you can hear. Yeah. All right. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. Um, I just want you to stand. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then just ask the Spirit of Christ to come into your heart right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And give me your Spirit. Just do that right now. If you know that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, would you just raise your hand, please? Okay. So you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now I'm just going to pray for a release of the Spirit right now in you. That you would cross the chicken line and begin to do the stuff that Jesus did because he's commissioned us to do this. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I commission you right now, receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and receive the activation now to begin to function in the fullness of the Spirit. Begin to step across the chicken line. Begin to pray those, pray those prayers of command where you command people's bodies to be healed and made whole. In Jesus' name, just receive that activation. And I want to hear stories. I want to hear stories of how God is working. In Jesus' name. But you are commissioned in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to go and to do what Derek's described, what John did yesterday, what I did with the lady at Kroger. You are, you are enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the same stuff in Jesus' name. Go ahead, uh, Dennis. Can you hear me? Yes. All right, guys. I would like ministry team to come here. These are people who are trained to pray, to pray to see the results. If you have a need, legitimate need, any, any area of life, healing, relationship, financial, anything, come to them to be prayed for. And the rest of you, we took too much time today. We apologize. But it was needed to be released the way he released it. It was, you needed to hear that. So right now we're going to release you with the blessing of God. But before I do that, I got a word from the Lord for some of you. The Lord keeps telling me this is a very special season of inception. Take this season seriously. Some of you are going to, God is going to birth new things in 2023 and beyond. And he's starting inception right now. And in the individual level, so take time with God to have intimacy, relationship with Him so that He would begin to speak to you what is it that He is going to birth in you. Look out for strategic connections. God is going to connect you with one, two, three people because He's giving you one common vision. You only have a piece of a puzzle. You don't have the whole vision. He will be connecting some of you with, with other people strategically. And this is the season of inception. So take it seriously as such. Bring it to the Lord. 
take a notebook or something, write things down as he begins to reveal it because he's going to birth new things, new ministries, new, new business ideas, new, something new, totally new that never existed before. And you got to be a key player in that. Take it seriously. If you feel it resonates in you, take this as the word from the Lord, all right? And he just keeps saying and stressing. And for, for some of you, it might have to do with what was presented to you by Neil. You might start moving in the spirit for the first time in your life. Don't be afraid. It's time to cross the chicken line. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.